0: Okay, we'll just do a three, two, one thing and just go kachoo and uh, how's that sound?
1: Was it kachoo? Three, two, one, kachoo.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this special bonus episode of the Autopod Decepticast. We're here to talk about TFCon and also share our interview with Mr. Ron Friedman, writer of Transformers the Movie.
1: Amongst other things. Amongst a lot of other things. G.I. Joe. We're in the middle of the Joe reviews. That's true. But before we get into all that, I think all the listeners just can't wait
0: to, to hear about your birthday, Well, well, first of all, who are we? You haven't introduced. If you're listening to this by now, no, you
2: got to do it. It's always somebody's first podcast thing.
1: Well, you're Aaron, I'm Ryan, that's Caleb. All right, we're the Autopod Decepticast. We covered the Transformers movie for two years, and now we don't know what to do anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we like each other. We do on
0: air. Yeah.
1: It's all for
2: show. No, it's, oh, this By is the way, be Aaron, a bad episode. your
1: beard is glistening. I know. I put. I love I put, it. I put uh, it's magnificent. I put pomade in it.
0: It's, and it's not beard pomade. It's hair pomade. It's magnificent. And uh, it's all I have right you now. You going to Alamo <laughs>
1: Draft House tonight?
0: In this, yeah. It looks like I, does it look like I drew no, all over me. What myself? are you going to go
1: see tonight? Oh, uh, Captain Marvel. Oh, sweet. With the whole fam. By the way, we would love it if uh, Alamo Draft House or Marvel Studios would sponsor us. Thanks. <laughs> We just mentioned it out there. You're welcome. Well, Next I, time I, they
0: do a Transformers thing, they should make us host. Sure.
2: I, I mean, I'm I'm going to see Captain Marvel tomorrow afternoon with my girlfriend. I need to
1: do that. Birthdays. So, so we're talking about my birthday? Yeah. Yes. Because my, <laughs> <unless laughs> my birthday was in February. Right. But so we played it. it so go.
0: we played it. Well, I mean, we played. It. Your birthday is the end of February. I don't care. I mean, one I mean I'm, I'm, I'm. One love... episode ago, in the minds of uh, listeners, listeners. It, was, it was your birthday, and, and Ryan and I owed you birthday presents. So you guys are gonna give me birthday and presents well, today? Yeah. Oh, this I mean, is awesome. I mean, I it took it. mine it. were in route, and they are here. And if you'll turn around, I'll force you to oh. get it since
2: oh, <laughs>
1: since what? you're blocking. Let me make this. Uh,
0: mine. <sighs> mine is the, the pink one next to
2: it. no, that's
1: not that one. Move that out of the way. That's mine. It's good. Damn it! I had to move a really nice gift up on the way. To get a... <laughs> no, 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 not that. no yeah, not that. I wouldn't call that a gift, but, but that is. This is a Transformers: Siege War for Cybertron trilogy. Shockwave. That's right. Ooh, happy birthday! Thank you. He's got all his, kinds of ancillary. like. shoulders. Armor. His shoulders are so big. So, can you briefly tell me? I mean, obviously, it looks awesome. Looks like he turns into a ship. Mm-hmm. It looks like he can ride on himself. He has a secret gun mode. Mm-hmm. Okay, and mm-hmm. uh tell me a little bit about uh, the the war for Cybertron universe. How this this is uh, this is just another
0: uh, kind of throwback. Line. I don't know much about the storyline, but it's just another G one throwback in the main line here, where they're trying to you know use the characters that old crusty people like us know and love, yeah, and maybe just. They, their designs are honestly, especially the Shockwave, pretty authentic to the G1 experience. But they're all on Cybertron, yeah. They, and
1: there's like you'll see there's like battle damage and paint and stuff. Like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, like, dirt, a lot of detail. Dirt there's, and muck. there's strange little watermarks on the packaging. If you show them the light, there's like a Decepticon symbol there. Oh wow. It says uh, I thought it said 90210, but it actually <laughs> says 92LG. I don't know, but anyways, there's some. There's a lot. To, there's a lot to look at here. This is great. It'll be fun to flip around on your desk. You're going to have to post some yep. Twitter desk,
0: desk bot desk pics. Bot. I will. So I now will. Ryan can present his present, Thank which will be Aaron's. art better
2: than I mine. I don't think so. Really? Oh, you don't think? Well, I don't Ryan. know. I'll Here's be the judge digit. of that. you It's uh, the pink polka dot pe- wrapping oh. paper.
3: Oh. All
1: right. Let me uh, put down that there unwrap it <laughs> right. yeah. oh, People love Ooh. ASMR, baby. <laughs>
2: Which gonna is be, always gonna be. as loud
1: as possible. <laughs> I think
2: that's the secret yeah, to an ASMR video. It's, like,
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's a shipwreck. It's an original and shipwreck I, I, G.I. Joe figure.
2: I did say last time, repeating what you opened it to say what it is, it's a bad sign. But I feel like since we're describing it, yeah. that's not true. So Ryan got me,
1: uh, a, a, this is also a cool gift. This is a, a G.I. Joe shipwreck figure uh, complete with his uh, parrot. Um, and, and it comes with the file card that's been cut off the packaging. It so. also has his gun. He,
0: yep. It's is got it, his little, uh, I think it's missing just the grappling hook. Yeah. This is fantastic. Do you know, know if that was the original release or it like a uh, subsequent, like, I don't know what
1: when <coughs> that, I think, think it, it was, was from.
0: 84.
2: It's in good shape okay. too. This is fantastic. I love it. <clears throat> Whenever I got that, I got that off of eBay and I wanted the I had to buy them like this, the, the figure and the card separately. Oh, really? Well, you can buy them together, but it was cheaper getting them separately for this instance. But, one? like, the guy that I bought the toy from, the uh, one of the descriptions was a little concerning. It said, he will stand on his own if you position him right. Sure. And I took him out, and, and it, 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 he's fine. He stands just fine.
1: That's great. No, Shipwreck's my favorite Joe character. He just, that looks great. Just like, that there's no scuff in the yeah. paint. The, the, the color actually looks nice and saturated
0: yeah. still, and... Uh, it, look, it feels like it was either a collector or a kid who didn't <coughs> play with his stuff very much. Mm-hmm. Like a Caleb. I played with my Joes a
1: lot. Oh, did you? Okay. But I didn't like bash them against <laughs> the ground or anything like that. <laughs> bash a hammer into in one of the other heads. Boom! Thank you. This is very thoughtful. Both of these gifts are great. Obviously, Ryan's is better. Well, wow. <laughs> But uh, no, thank you anyways. Congratulations, Ryan. <laughs> I win this round. <laughs> Uh, what else do we want
0: to talk about before we get into Ron TFCon? Yeah, Is there any questions for me? Uh, I, yeah, you,
1: Aaron went. We, did, we did, not. did not. We didn't get to go. Well, we we chose not to go. I Ryan actually was capable going, but it would
2: have put me in the, the workhouses for yeah. debt. <laughs> and now you guys are are planning to go to toronto and i'm, I'm like oh, maybe that. we've, maybe. Been, we've maybe. been talking about it but like as a, as a collective we were also talking about a group vacation to a beach yeah somewhere, i so
1: think sure. we were talking toronto because we were all high off of your experience in la and we we're like yes. we need to go i don't know my personally i'd like i'd love to i'd, I'd love to have a, an AutoPod Decepticast tf nation tour in 2021 you heard it here first is, we're coming. Is, to, we're coming for you. <laughs> so it was awesome, by
0: the way. I uh, it was sad not to have you guys there. Yeah, so sad. Course, you, I missed you I for the fans, especially <laughs> fans. Yeah, yeah. you met some
2: some fans. Yeah, the some fans, fans were here. like, oh,
1: where's the other guys? <laughs> That's I mean, I got that so much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, it was awesome. Uh, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the schedule here to just try and remember what I saw there, and I think I didn't really get in on anything until this Five Faces of Darkness with Flint on Friday Dilly. night. So Friday night, I show up and I was solo. No, uh, Mike hadn't shown up yet. Mike Seibert was there. So you were already wasted by that. Boy. Well, I was drinking, <laughs> and, and, and I I go to the bar. And uh, well, actually, it's not when I got to the bar, I walked by and I sent you guys a picture. I was like, holy shit, that's Flint Dillion, Buzz Dixon, yes. right there right. at a table together. Yeah. And,
2: uh, and it was a, a hilarious picture because you can tell who they are, but the focus is racked on a, some random yeah, dude in the, the background. Phone. It's because like totally it
0: <laughs> I, was, I was pulling a Heather yeah. and trying to get my spy cam on. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I said to myself, what would Melody do? Who is my wife? Who will <clears throat> never let any potential celebrity encounter go unencountered? Has talked to celebrities for you, <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I said to myself, I'm just going to do it. I know they're sitting at a table enjoying some nice quiet time together, but I
1: went and got a drink. You know they're I'll, sitting out there in public. They're hoping everybody yeah, will come, come up and on. just like
0: I know who you are.
2: They
1: wanted to be left alone. We did. Patient. We
0: say who we said who it was, right? Yeah, Buzz and Flint. Okay, but we did. Yeah. And I, so I got myself a drinky. And then I, I sat there for a second, and then I just walked on over to their table, which you know, they were super nice. I <coughs> came up to them, I said, I know who you guys are, <laughs> <laughs> and I know what you did, and then I pulled out my pistol, and, oh. uh, but I said, hey, I, I know who you guys are, I, I know you're Flint and you're Buzz, and uh, I've got a podcast, the Autopod, the subject Cast. we talk about all this shit. And, and they were very nice and flint was of course gregarious and you know i i think he's he might have said i've heard of you guys but i'm sure mm-hmm. it was not in, in like like a, we're see. very
2: big in remembering. He he's remembering, <laughs> he's
0: remember, he's remembering <laughs> Ryan talking to him in October. And he said that, uh, yeah, that probably is what stuck in his head. But, mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we've been we were talking about going on the podcast circuit. We need to do your podcast sometimes. Okay. So he did say that. Are you going to uh, follow up with that? Well, people say things. I mean, I tried to reach out to him before TFCon to see if he would time to, to do I it again. Assume. But anyway, I talked to him for about five minutes. I had this giant backpack on behind me the whole time, so uh-huh. I know that I was... Annoying the people in the table next to him. Screw those out. people.
1: I met did, some beginners. So, you had your big backpack. Had my big backpack. Did you give him any merch? I don't remember. He's <laughs> no. so drunk. At this no, morning. I did. I gave Flint Dilly and Buzz Dixon merch. I gave them buttons. Fantastic. Buttons. So, that's a, that's an end. I'm saying, all I'm saying is go back to these guys. Let's get them on a podcast. Let's interview them. It's, it's possible they're not hard to reach. I don't think.
0: Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Then I went in and saw the five faces of darkness screening. And I don't think I watched the whole thing. I think I watched about half. And it was interesting. I, when you guys were there with me. Now, yeah. did, did you watch the five faces thing? I,
2: I was <laughs> pretty drunk by that point. And I remember it was I think you and melody and Mike were in there. And I started watching it. And I got through about Well, he paused about every 10 seconds, and Mm -hmm. so it was about an hour, and we still hadn't gotten out of the opening credits, Right, and I was pretty drunk and starting to nod off, and so I dipped out, and Mike was like, is Ryan okay? And Melody's like, oh yeah, he just does that. So,
0: in that experience in Chicago... Uh, which I thought was a cool idea. He did stop a lot and tell stories. That's he would be pause, tell a story, pause, tell a yeah, story. Yeah, it was just Flint up there on his own. In this one, he actually brought Buzz, and I'm trying to remember who else he brought on stage. Oh man, I'm blanking out. But they brought on stage, and it was kind of I think he was hoping to have more banter uh, between them. But what actually happened was that fans just took it upon themselves to ask questions while the movie is playing. Weird. So he wasn't doing a pause thing. The movie's just playing in the background. Fans are yelling out like questions, some good, some inane, and uh, and he's answering them. That's and bizarre. And they ended up, they like, started to turn down the volume so that they could, you <laughs>
1: people know, and that's, know that. and that's just what the panel, yeah. that just became what the panel was. All it right. was fine. I'm cool. No, because people great. know, the f- people could probably recite it from, well, it's more about him being there anyway. What do you want to? I guess watch too, it with. Flip well, voice? I guess if he's not
2: talking himself, I guess that's what you would do. Right, yeah, right.
0: absolutely. So for me, Saturday, uh, I I got up late, as you might imagine. I got up mm. about the time Mike got in, and we went walk the floor. I'm trying to see. I didn't. I went nope. to the costume contest. That was the one thing I was really hoping to see because we were out in L.A. Those are awesome. And I knew that there was going to be the baller cosplay, and it was. They
1: did a great job. I don't mm-hmm. know who won because I didn't stay the whole time. Did you meet any of our cosplay listeners? I don't believe they were there. <laughs> We've got some followers on Twitter that are in mm-hmm. cosplay. It's sure.
0: cool. True. True. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to uh, All Hail Megatron, Wine Ant Bono, and DJ Lemon Poppy Seed. They are phenomenal. Uh, let's see. Door Prize. I missed that. And then oh, t- oh. what happened about the movie? So, oh, yeah. I guess Hasbro... <laughs> said that uh, asked the, the lawyers called and asked to take it down, which was weird because they did the five faces thing and nobody's charging for the movie unless you want right. to say that nominally. But I guess, I'm assuming TFCon didn't pay for the rights. And
2: Yeah, I guess it's that FBI thing and not public or private, but I don't know. Basically, Hasbro sent a cease and desist that
0: TFCon could not show
2: customers the movie.
0: I mean, I get it. It is their intellectual property, but I also feel like it's not a good way to endear people dear. It's a strange shit. move. Yeah. And and what are you really going to get out of it at the, at the end of the day? Right. It's like, not.
2: And I'm, I guarantee
0: you, almost all these people own multiple copies of that movie. <laughs> right. So, um, the other thing, I missed the third party review, which is the thing I really wanted to do, but I got distracted. But I did see the Transformers movie panel with Ron, Neil Ross, Paul Eating, Douglas Booth, and Flint Dilly, And that was fun. And I was wondering, I think maybe uh, more people more than me were wondering if there'd be some tension in the room. And honestly, there oh, wasn't. Uh, everybody, like that's Flint and, and Ron in particular acknowledge each other's contribution yeah. to the, the franchise. They did sit them on opposite ends. They, <laughs> they did. Oh, I was kidding. <laughs> well, they, they, they were on opposite ends. Okay. I believe Ron and, uh, and Neil Ross were on one end and everybody else was on the other. But, but that was great. And uh, then I probably just got drunk. <laughs> There's nobody to probably know. <laughs> well, no, actually, that's not true. Then I interviewed Ron Friedman, and then I got drunk. <laughs> yes. yes. That was that a Saturday
2: evening you interviewed Ron. That, that's correct. Full side, as you'll hear in a little bit. That's correct.
0: And then la- later that night, when I was drunk, I interviewed... Uh, or I did an interview, I met rather David Mendenhall. Actually that day I met David Mendenhall, voice of Daniel and Michael Horton, voice of Chip Chase so I've covered all the kids I guess except for Spike himself but uh, I met uh, Michael Horton at the bar. I was next to him at the bar for about an hour and a half eating and, and drinking and just talking about life, and that was really nice. Wow. And then David Mendenhall, I was obliterated, but uh, not so much I couldn't
1: hold a conversation uh, to, to well, me. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you the tech kind of the texts that we were getting that, that evening. Oh, right. okay. Um go. I went to the bar and got drunk. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go ask Flint to go drink. <laughs> I wanna ask him for a nine F the Record Convo. I'm for real the weirdo, the background D right now. Uh, LOL, I'm just now seeing how nonsense my tweets are. I'm worthless. Which I'm um, text. Uh, but I'm still going to ask him or barcade. <laughs> Everything is fine, extra E. I just bumped into Yoshi. We chatted and he left me. Four hours later, I get a Which single is text. Three
2: in the morning, our time, 1 a.m. No, no, no. L.A. 1 a.m.
1: L.A., yeah. 0, but then... No, actually, that's earlier in the evening. But then two hours later, Aaron sends a text because he goes, I bumped in, I just bumped in the Yoshi. We chatted and he left me. And then a couple hours go by, and then Aaron goes, Everyone leaves me. Yes. <laughs> there are no texts in between from us or him. And it's, and it's a <laughs> real bleak,
2: weird late night. Text. That's it. I woke up and saw that, and I'm like, Oh, no. <laughs>
1: So you ran into Yoshi and yeah, and Evangelist.
0: <laughs> we actually we all
2: chatted
1: yeah, a really out.
0: long time. It was really nice. And uh, shout out to them. I did hop on really late, unfortunately, but the podcasters panel on Sunday. But uh, yeah, Sunday for me was just about walking the dealer room. I didn't really catch that much in terms of panel action. But uh, so yeah, that is what it was. But I did get the opportunity. It was great to meet up with uh, Flint Springer, as he is known right now, but Dave Cabal, um, and of course, Johnny Utah was awesome. Mm -hmm. Like he and I, we hung out quite a bit at the the bar. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Never far from the (laughs) liquor. He's a great guy. Uh, I think I was mentioning that I uh, met David Mendenhall, voice of Daniel, and uh, I basically, I told him the story of our panel at TFCon and how a great portion of it was dedicated to his character. And I was like, don't take this the wrong way, but a lot of people...
2: (laughs) Oh, you said this to Dave, to David Menon. Yeah, to yeah. David Menon. I said, "Don't take this the wrong way, but you know, you know, you know." People think Daniel's annoying, right? Oh, yeah. and Then you explained how and we thought he, he was off. We're deeper. <laughs> like we're so great. I, of course, he's
0: my touchstone for him is over the top. which just right. one of my favorite
2: So
1: But he was he like ah, he was very
0: sweet. Yeah. Uh, he we we hung out a long time uh, and with others as well. And uh, he the next day I bumped into him. And he, uh, but, no, no, he was like, I just want to tell you, I had a great conversation oh. and I really, really appreciate the story you told me that's and, awesome. and, uh, and that's how he is a good person because yeah. I was a but he was the bar too. So you was, have like those
2: cartoon bubbles coming up over your head and popping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm sure like you Like the were.
1: Homer's last, <laughs> Homer's last night out kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you are one to self-deprecate, but I'm sure you were great I'm sure you were. Uh, I'm sure you were pretty buzzed. I do. I do but, yeah. walk away from situations
0: like this where, like, I'm on vacation, right? So if mm-hmm. I'm on vacation, I'm like definitely in super drink mode.
2: That's what I say about <laughs> about 6 p.m. every Friday. <laughs>
0: right. but, but, but I'm also have this weird so now, combination yeah. of loud and overly talkative and gregarious, combined with with uh, self doubt. Not really self doubt, but. Uh, Self consciousness for sure. sure. Mm-hmm. So, all that adds up to me waking up every morning. Oh, fuck, what did I do? Well, do <laughs> just, what do You need a court reporter to follow you around. <laughs> because I, I was walking around large groups of people and just striking up conversations. But I feel like that's just what you're supposed to do with these. No, you, you did oh, that great. It's terrifying. You Noel. Know,
1: that's what you do at a convention or a conference. You do network and you do talk to people. And Cybert yeah.
0: was there with me almost yes, all Mike the time. Sybert. He was great. His, uh, his uncle was there. Actually, two of his uncles were there. Really? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we had lunch with them. Of course, Michael Andrews and Caitlin were there. And certainly don't feel like I got to see enough of them. They had their own thing going on. A lot of stuff off-site. And so it was great to see oh, them yeah, as that well. They went to the barcade. I got mm-hmm. saw some pictures
2: of that. That looks pretty cool. And they
0: went to the the Star Wars bar. Yeah, the thing. cantina yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I that looked cool too. I didn't go to that, but yeah, I, I we need to get them. We need to get
1: them on the show because um, Michael Andrews is great. I can't yeah. get enough of him. I I really bummed that I didn't get to see Michael and Mike again. I'm trying to make sure I'm not
0: forgetting anybody. I'm positive I am, but um, oh, and uh, made a new best friend shout out to Jason Wiltshire he's my he was there every i think he was in the the five faces of darkness he is actually one of the people that yelled out a question and then we just struck up a conversation that night and then we just kept seeing each other and ended up hanging out <laughs> basically every time we bumped it's into each other at the bar me. we kind of like buddied up it's and, what and all he's, about. A, he's a good guy so i'm sure people have had enough of tf talk. but i want to say the one thing i bought there other than lots of uh Lots of uh, sort of signed. Th- <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> Was this little uh, Legends class Megatron by Iron Factory, and he's cool. Look yeah, look at that. I also got. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention. I met Vince DiCola. Oh yeah. so I yes, also you did. The we
2: tweeted out a picture of you and him.
1: The soundtrack yeah. to
0: Rocky IV and his album Invincible. Nice. Oh, I love it. Nice.
1: Yeah, he uh see, like and then he, he he we gave him one of those. You gave him one of those diet. Uh, not not diet, but Vince DiCola buttons. Yeah, that does great. He took the buttons. He was very sweet about um, it. He's been very nice I, on Twitter. I'm gonna see if I can get uh, him and Ed Fruge on a on a, on the podcast. I'm gonna see if they can get them together because they collaborated on mm-hmm. Transformers and Rocky Four. You have to take the lead on that. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean you're the music guy. Yes, absolutely. He's, absolutely. A what? He's a what? He's a music. He's a music man. man. Okay. <laughs>
0: So now I'll present to you, gentlemen. Um, I had to pay for one of these. One of them was given to me for free. Um, I'd like you to read the inscription. All right. So everyone,
1: uh, so this, you know, those of you who've been listening, uh, I, you know, I've been trying, we've been trying to get the the I Killed Optimus Prime manuscript for a long time, but uh, finally, uh, Ron did put out the book, so I have the book here in my hand. Aaron just handed it to me.
0: He said he had the manuscript if we wanted it. He said he couldn't get it all printed I, out before I he left. I decided against it, and I called and I said, "Is there anything in the manuscript that would make it better than the no. book for any reason?" And he said, "No, the book's better."
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. so I called you. You said you didn't care, and so okay. now you have a book. In your hand. <clears throat> and,
1: it, and all right, so there's an inscription inside. Okay. Uh, I know before I open this, I know you, you on the end, on the interview. You, you tell him that I'm, I'm threatening violence. <laughs> I would rather, I, just for the record, I'm not threatening violence on anyone. Of course you weren't. So that was a joke. A list the list. joke was in our text exchange, I kept saying that.
0: Yeah. And you kept saying, no, don't say it <laughs> no, So the joke was re- It was really just a wink from me to you yeah. of saying That's that. not uh, really a joke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's you just antagonizing me. No,
0: I think he knew I wasn't going to drown him in the pool. No, it hurt.
1: wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be you. It'd be, he's afraid of me now. Everything's fine. Okay, let me open. I, read the goddamn read. inscription okay. to Caleb, a man whose biblical name is befitting for one with godlike appreciation for fine literature. Modestly, Ron Friedman. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, yeah, my name is Hebrew. It means uh, obedient servant or faithful dog.
2: <laughs> and, uh, Excellent,
1: Ron Friedman, being of Jewish heritage, recognized that. Wow, that is a quite a thing. Uh, he spent time with it. Did he really? Did yeah, he... he was the slow, the slowest
0: autographer so, at the whole damn thing, but it's worth it. Yeah. Well, I, so I got fantastic. Aaron handed
2: me a copy as well, which is inscribed, and then I I got another little t- treat. Uh, it says to Ryan, the unindicted co-conspirator with Aaron, Mike, and Caleb, all exquisite patrons of fine art. Modestly, Ron Friedman. <laughs> I love his inscription.
1: I love what he writes. And
0: since we're at it, I'll just read mine to Aaron, a man of infinite and immaculate good taste in the literary products of a genius who shall remain nameless, Ron Friedman. <laughs> he didn't say um, humbly in mine, modestly. modestly. He didn't say modestly.
2: But uh, well, I uh, sent or well sent a PDF of the first page of our script, Transformers movie by Ron Friedman, and Aaron was good enough to get that signed as well. It said I tweeted it out earlier this week said, uh, to Ryan, I loved seeing this iconic page in my lifetime. Thanks for your appreciation of my efforts and half-assed immortality.
0: Ron Friedman. It's really cool. Well, awesome. I guess with that, there, there's no better uh, way to just cut from this uh, banter and go right into the Ron Friedman interviews. So, so thank you, first of all, to Mike Seibert, who met me out there. He agreed to help. My vision for it was that he and I would be – co-conspirators in the interview mm-hmm. uh, I really thought that he was <laughs> he was gonna be able to participate but as it was he was he he was the technically minded guy he made sure that he had the mics and and the recording equipment all set up we didn't necessarily have the right forum for an interview where he could mm-hmm. sort of participate because we ended up recording by a uh, swim, the swimming pool at the hotel mm-hmm. and I was working with the hotel all day long to try and secure a a room that w- could be secluded. The point is I we had to record by a hotel cabana, or by a pool cabana because I couldn't get a ro- I I didn't am get curious, room. I'm to-
2: curious why didn't you record in Mike's room?
0: Well I thought it was creepy and weird <laughs> I guess to, true. to invite somebody to a room to record uh, although Ron Friedman did invite us to his room I said to him, I said to him, I'm assuming you'd be more comfortable not in your room. We've got a nice little pool cabana and voila. So that's where we recorded. We finished recording. I look at my texts and there's a text from the hotel saying, we've got a room for you. And they were going to give it to me. But anyway, so I I guess I present the, the Ron Friedman interview. Here we go. All right. Let it rock. Welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is your host, Aaron. And this, uh, this week, we're going to take a little break from the norm. I am here at TFCon Los Angeles with uh, Mike Seibert. And for an excellent um, sort of uh, circumstantial situation, I have the opportunity to sit here with uh, Mr. Ron Friedman, uh, comedian. Novelist, writer for film and television dating back to, shall we say, the early 60s, or would you? uh uh, uh, the you?
3: first show I wrote was my favorite Martian, which was in 1960. Okay,
0: we'll say 1960 then. and But we'll, we'll focus on your uh, animation time, I think, around Transformers and G.I. Joe. But we'll meander. We'll meander around the fringes of all that. Okay. Um, uh, you've worked on essentially every show that is ever broadcast from 1963 to, de- to today. I will name drop a handful that had the most connection to me. But listeners know that uh you could triple this and or quadruple it the and and he's worked a, a, a lot more so uh collaborator writer on shows i'll, I'll start with the danny k show gilligan's island andy griffith get smart the odd couple chico and the man starsky and hutch fantasy island fall guy Iron Man and the Fantastic Four is part of the, the what Marvel do you call it, Action Marvel Action Hour, Universe. Right? Thank, so it's an honor to, well, thank you for talking to us, Ron. Uh, it's, it's welcome my, to the my Auto Podcast It's privilege.
3: I don't often get to sit by a pool and not get splashed.
0: <laughs> well, there's no guarantee you're not going to get splashed, well, first then, of all. Well, then I'll resign, uh, but <laughs> but let's continue while, it's, <laughs> while we're still dry. Yes. Um, so uh, are you enjoying, first of all, I have to say, what I believe is your first,
3: this is the first time I've attended a, a Comic Con the- where I'm actually representing my interests. Uh-huh. Other than the first time I attended, which was with Stanley, when we created the Marvel Action Hour mm-hmm. and we were flogging it at the San Diego Comic Con. Flo- like, by flogging it? Like, just hanging out? Creating a wild. Interest in the uh, (laughs) showing of the material in the hopes that it would run for 45 years. Right, right.
0: How are the residuals from that going?
3: Uh, Animation and residuals are mutually exclusive. (laughs) Uh, Animation was created by the same people who gave you slavery.
0: (laughs) Oh, great. Yes. and That's a hot
3: take. uh, The fringes are assassination, starvation, and... uh, Deportation to an unlisted country, right? So, and those are the ups. <laughs> I love it. So, I,
0: I, I also before we get way too into this, I have to give a shout out to my friend Caleb, who really we wouldn't be talking right now if it weren't for Caleb because he purchased a manuscript. Yes, he did. The manuscript. He purchased the a book. manuscript, and and he gave me full license uh, to, at one point. To, uh, to shake you down with, with moderate violence if necessary for that manuscript. Uh, oh, I,
3: I have it, I just didn't have time to finish printing it up because of the uh, difficulties I have I'm writing a play, I'm finishing it up, I have a Broadway producer an actor studio director named Howard Storm who directed all of the Mork and Mindy shows, he's brilliant and I have a little rewrite to do and then we're going to make an offer on a major star to star I'm also teaching, and in the month of January, I was teaching three, four-hour classes a week for the entire month, two days off, and I'm teaching again two, three-hour classes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm also working on a few scripts Mm -hmm. and uh, avoiding former members of Trump's cabinet, so it's a full-time (laughs) job. And it will, and of course the the book that you're hawking
0: here, that I killed Optimus Prime. Yes, it's in it's in its printed form. It isn't. And it is uh, it, there is there is words on paper. Yeah, and the ink uh, is dry.
3: The startling thing is, it's number one on the Amazon list for books about television. Cong- congratulations! After only about forty eight hours being available.
0: Well, how long have people um, been waiting for this book?
3: Obviously all my life. I wish I'd have have done it when I was 15. I believe I've seen... We'd now be speaking from the south of France.
0: I believe Uh, I've seen video from you from at least 2016 talking about this book.
3: Yes, I I seem to be a popular interviewee, and I've done a number of podcasts, most recently a podcast with Gilbert Gottfried. I've heard of him. Which I recommend strongly. For some reason it went through the roof. I've had hundreds of emails. (laughs) And they're going to be pitching my book as well. And Gilbert Gottfried, you know, speaks like this. Yeah, he's
0: uh, he was he was the uh, Iago before or after there was an Iago. And uh, he was
3: he, the original Affleck duck. That's true. That's yes. right.
0: He has one of the. I, I'm sure, as a as a, a guy who's been around the scene, you're familiar with the joke that is called what is the the. Uh, oh, now I'm blanking out. The famous joke. That is about the family, and and every comedian has a riff on it. Oh, the, 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 aristocrats. the aristocrats! Thank exactly. you, gracious. He, he, Gilbert Gottfried, has one of the most famous. And Aristocrat one of the most hates. filthy. Right, of course. Yes, of that, course. That to me Do you wins. want to tell us your version of the aristocrats <laughs> while no, we're here? No, because it takes
3: too long <laughs> and everybody knows the punchline. <laughs> that's, 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 but I'll give you a very short joke, which okay. is an example of writing something funny that anybody can say and get a laugh with. Okay. A comedian could use is that. properly referred to as someone who says things funny. And a comic who's somebody who says funny things. Okay. So in my writing career, I've had to do stand-up, and I didn't want to, but I began wanting to be a playwright. But William Morris says, you're funny, and we can get you work. So I wrote for a lot of comics, many now dead by popular demand. And uh, when I would write it and they would say it's not funny, I'd say it is. They'd say, you do it. So I would do it in some of the uh, country's leading toilets, which is a term of art for a mafia-controlled nightclub where the men's room attendant usually quit because he couldn't stand the smell from the kitchen. So a a quick joke is, uh, let me think a moment. Yeah, doorbell rings at a whorehouse. Madam opens the door. There's a guy in a basket with no arms and no legs. She says, what are we gonna do with you? He said, I rang the bell, didn't I? Two, three, four. anybody who doesn't get this, send for the brochure. I <laughs> rang the bell, didn't I? You do not have to be a genius to get a laugh with that. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: Legless uh, humor is—it's uh, big with the kids.
3: <laughs> of course.
0: <laughs> okay, I—I'm I, really—I'm glad you brought up stand-up comedy. And actually, maybe uh, let me get back to that because I, I want to yeah. give you some context. We've been talking uh, via email. Uh, for for a weekish or so, maybe a little longer. Yeah, and uh, and to explain what it is, this podcast that I am a part of and Mike is a part of have have done is is that we are such big fans of this stupid movie from 1986. Yep, that we made the the creative quote unquote decision to. Dissect and analyze. We all have day jobs, right? And we have things better things we could be to, doing. Do
3: any of them involve dry food? Or they,
0: uh, well, actually, I mine involve wet food, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay. We'll get back to that later. Uh, but we and and what we did we've done over the past couple of years is dissected 1986 Transformers the movie minute by minute. So essentially, we will spend an hour. Uh, or so, give or take. Talking about one single minute of screen time, we started at the very beginning, and uh, and took it through to the very end. And now we're talking about G.I. Joe and other things. We love the movie so much, and, and as friends, the three of us that have have worked on it, you know, it's it's it was an excuse for us to get together, and we figured that our our. Uh, you know, our charisma and banter and general good looks would be enough to actually make it a, a good thing to do and people to listen to it. You know, and people have listened to it and they do like it. And so that's why it is a privilege for you to be here yes I mean, your name's your name's <laughs> on the goddamn uh screen so yes uh, it is and so that's so that's the context of where we're coming from i just wanted to kind of give you that full picture because uh, it's special that movie is very special to us and well, i know that you probably have i mean maybe you've known longer than uh than you would own up to but obviously there's a culture here that that uh there is it's amazing to be part of somebody's
3: obsession yeah without being a drug dealer so it's (laughs) it's it's it's, it's it's fascinating to me but i understand it absolutely because i too was a fan of many comic books many animated shows many novels and so on and i understand the affection for something that engages your imagination Mm -hmm. and also stimulates your desire to be creative in your thinking, Mm -hmm. that's terrific. Also, to me, it guarantees a positive, fair-minded outlook on the world and one that welcomes the idea of science as a potential giver of joy and improver of mankind. And I'm all about the idea that when we're young, Those of us who are sensitive and intelligent are often abused. We often recognize injustice when we see it done to others. Mm -hmm. We resent the fact that we're unable to do anything about it. But it becomes part of our growing experience that part of our transformation, and we all transform, part of our transformation is toward the arc of justice and making something worthwhile happen. And
0: change, and and change change for the positive. Change for the better and for the positive.
3: Mm -hmm. So I think the growth in science and the ability of a general audience now to recognize science as something magnificent has to do with science fiction, has to do with Transformers, Mm -hmm. has to do with the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. So I recognize that I was like this as a kid and part of the thrill I had with the assignment of G.I. Joe and Transformers was that I'm going to be contributing to this literature, which is inspirational.
0: Did, did you? You pro- There's no way you could have had a clue at that time as a seasoned... You'd been writing shows for 30 years at that point, but did you have any sense that there was something iconic that was being created or being, uh, you know, like no that that was gonna create this
3: (laughs) I I always gave my absolute best effort to every assignment I had and when I was writing something that was shit it was the best possible quality of shit imaginable I I take pride in giving my all and also (laughs) when I feel that something is worthwhile I give it that extra extra push
0: There's no reason to do something if you're not going to try. Even if it's something you're not necessarily passionate about, do it well or move on.
3: That's exactly right. I have an obligation to do that. When I was an architect, I did the same thing. And I was an architect for 11 years before I elected to become a writer. And when I announced to my wife I was going to become a writer, she says, I'm taking the children. Let me know if you ever make a living again. (laughs) And in my first year as a writer in New York, I made roughly 10 times what I'd ever made in my best year as an architect. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay.
0: Well, uh, let me... I'm glad you brought this up, because... You, so you either studied under or worked with, studied with Frank Lloyd Wright. I was uh, invited
3: to Taliesin West one summer because his chief draftsman saw a competition that I'd won and said, would you come? And of course I went. And... Uh, it was you don't like, say no to Frank. Mm, well... <laughs> We weren't on first-name basis, <laughs> Okay. and he actually hit me with his cane. What is this? Something is amiss?
0: Nothing's amiss.
2: He's
3: okay. telling me that we've been on 15 minutes. Okay. letting you know where you're at. Oh, okay.
0: okay. All right, all right. I don't Very know how much good. time I
3: have with you, but... Well, uh, let's go until I say, um, you know... I need a to a take a shit. Enough. Yeah. Um,
0: okay, let's <laughs> continue with Frank Lloyd right then, please. Well,
3: it was interesting. His chief draftsman was Wesley Peters, who invited me later to become distinguished by marrying Joseph Stalin's daughter. So at the time I thought, what a great father-in-law. Did you ever have dinner together? No, he's busy starving Ukraine to death. Mm -hmm. But call tomorrow, he may Mm -hmm. be finished with that. Anyway, it was was fascinating, it was cult-like and bizarre and uh, my fond memory was being met at the bus stop by a guy dressed in Renaissance brocade on a day (laughs) in which it was 114 degrees. And Gila monsters were vomiting. Mm-hmm. And I asked, Why are you dressed for the funeral of uh, Dante? And he said, Well, the maestro likes a bit of Baccarini on a Sunday afternoon. And he drove me out to Italias and West. And here are a bunch of people sweltering in the sun, dressed in Renaissance brocade and silks and pantaloons. Anyway, it's, it's a memory best left. <laughs>
0: Best left, detailed, best left detailed best left detailed right now <laughs> please continue I'm kind of well, let's, let's feeling get on, feeling <laughs> let's
3: get on Transformers because <laughs> well, that is your well it is that is it, your it area is. of interest
0: it is but the, the, the thing is your, your career is um, is storied and great so I don't want to I don't want to leave uh, too much on the side but I also know that we could we could talk all day about non-Transformers things so I'm going to I'm hoping this is fun I, uh, I, I, yes. I, I've, I've developed, yes, I've developed, I've developed a game that I would love to play with you for a moment, if you would, uh, if you would permit me. And yes. the name of this game is called Ronscript, or bullshit. And okay. uh, basically, it's going to help us cover a lot of time. So what I'm going to do is, <laughs> if you'll permit me, I'm a little nervous to ask you.
3: No, you can't be nervous. <laughs> because, uh, I wrote this so long ago. Okay. I believe so, I wrote it in
0: Aramaic. So well, this this so. it won't be centric to Transformers. This is centric to other shows. Please. So I'm going to provide the title of an episode of television. Okay. You tell me if it's a script you worked on or if it's something I just made up right now. I will certainly and, and, know. And uh, and okay, well let's kick this off. Okay. Here we go.
3: Is, it, is this for the Cadillac or the uh, lethal uh, what, what injections? What I'm going to give
0: you, if, 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 I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got seven. You get mm-hmm. you get five out of seven. I'm going to give you a poster and some auto-punched <laughs> buttons. Oh, my I'm gonna God. I'm going to give you some garbage that you can put in a box <laughs> and forget about. I'm Are you ready. ready? Go ahead, Monty. Door number <laughs> okay, four. Okay, here we go. I get your nanny. You get my goat. Is that a Ron script yes. or bullshit? No, I wrote that. <laughs> you wrote that? What, what
3: was that from? I'm trying to remember whether it was I'll from tell you, it's the from Ghost Bewitched. This, Bewitched, yes. I wrote a number of Bewitched. And I also created the practical, joking, warlock character of Uncle Arthur for Paul Lind. Yes. And so, I love Paul because he
0: was instant funny. <laughs> okay. Um, Clifton's Sugar Mama. Is that wrong script or bullshit? Winston Sugarman. Clifton's Sugar Mama.
3: Oh, yeah, I did that for That's My Mama. That's Clif- right. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, yeah. all
0: right. right. You're doing So far, you're doing really well. Anything you can rec- recollect from uh, that show, That's My Mama? Yeah, I
3: really enjoyed doing it. I liked Clifton. I liked uh, what was her first? Teresa Merritt. And I also liked the Joker. I can't remember his last name, who was a brilliant musician. They were really, really lovely people.
0: How about this one? Okay, the girls... Of Hollywood High.
3: Was that BJ and the Bear?
0: Well, uh, that's correct. Okay, Ron Script. That is very so you're doing a great job, that is B J and the Bear. It's uh, only
3: my life and I haven't looked at it lately. So <laughs> that's just please, that, please a memory game. Yeah. We're
0: really I'm really trying to test you here. Okay. Yeah. The Grim Reaper wears a Teflon coat. Ron script or bullshit?
3: I do vaguely remember that. I'm trying to remember what the episode was. Was that? Mm. was that let me uh,
0: i'll give you a hint excelsior okay okay you got it you got it nice job that is an iron man episode the lady and the longhorn
3: that was in love american style i think
0: Uh, i mean here's the thing i'm going to give you the point because it is one of your scripts but it's from fantasy island
3: Ah, oh yeah. Well, I did fifty-four Fantasy long, I, Islands. Well, I'm trying Oops. to test you yeah, here. Well, <laughs> I'm not trying to make it easy. Fifty-four Heinz <laughs> had fifty-seven, and they were all pickles. So this is a little different.
0: So I think you've already technically won this prize, but I want to. I want to continue. Danny and the Mob. That did was, you write that?
3: I, I did. That was from the Partridge Family. All oh,
0: right, psychic, schmike. <laughs> schmike.
3: Okay. Well. Yes, I did that, and I. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Was that? Gilligan's Island
0: I'm gonna tell you that it was uh, uh, an Oscar and Felix
3: oh of course that was uh, the odd couple that's right one of my favorite shows
0: this is the very last one so far you've gotten every single one right I'm hoping that you get this right Uh, the, the episode is called the ghost of the iconic moment bullshit
3: or Ron script the ghost of the iconic moment yes that doesn't ring a bell.
0: Ah, all right. Well, you're. I, I can't trick you. That is not a show that you wrote. That's something I made up.
3: <laughs> so, so. I'm relieved.
0: I was really trying to. I was. Well, you know, it's not nice to mess with people's memories, but but I did it, and and I'm, I guess I have to move on with life and be be, be happy with yes. it. Yes. So okay. You've done a lot of stand-up, um, variety, half-hour, comedy. comedy? <laughs> comedy. <laughs> Drama, TV, oh, um, yeah. Well, t- t- movies of the week. Talk about the learning curve from line, live action to animation. Is there a learning curve? Is, there, is it? Uh, well,
3: I, I was very fortunate because I'm an artist and I always loved animation. And uh, I recognize what the iconography is about, but I also recognize as a writer, that the animation world must be communicated to the background artists and the model makers and Um, the ones who create it in a way that they understand where I have a reasonable uh, a reasonable opportunity of having what I envision delivered actually. So very often I would draw what I had in mind or I would be able to describe it so the background artists or the animators or the model makers got pretty much what I had in mind. But that is is not the usual because generally those who write never speak to the artists Mm -hmm. and they don't share a vocabulary. So one of the things I've done when I teach animation is I get animators and artists in and compel the student writer to deal with the animator or the model maker so that they learn to find some common way of expression in which they both can derive satisfaction.
0: It becomes more collaborative across, well, across yeah, functions.
3: Exactly, but here's, here's the deal. We are prisoners of prose. We grow up listening to stories. If we're lucky, somebody we care about reads it to us, but generally someone will read to us when we're small. Mm-hmm. And I will give you an example of the mag- the magic of being read to. An evil king of great wealth has a beautiful daughter who comes of age and he sends a proclamation out to all kingdoms within reach and those beyond galaxies to send the princeling of their choice to see if he can win the hand of the princess. Do you see what I mean? (laughs) And the answer is you see nothing. I've described nothing. But you don't care because you're a prisoner of prose and you have created sufficient imagery just listening to satisfy your necessity I'm in the place. of hearing the story and knowing <laughs> the story. That doesn't work if you're writing a screenplay. You must specify and exactly what it is you want the audience to see on that screen. More than that, what it is they need to understand when they see what you present to them. Because really, writing a film script, animation or live, is a process of visually educating the reader and ultimately the viewer to be able to follow the sequence of events and use what they have been taught in successive scenes so that they can process what's coming next
0: well, it's 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 an it's almost a logistical instruction guide as much as it, 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 is. It, it when you're writing a novel you're you are creating imagery and you can allow for the reader to and to you know come what, along it, with it but in a screenwriting reader, you yes. have to give explicit instruction, I'm assuming. You to are
3: making a pr- a what is called a production drawing mm-hmm. or a working drawing. Mm-hmm. It's the equivalent of a conductor of a symphony can look at a symphony, hear all the instruments, and as he or she is reading it, say, the piccolo comes in too early in bar 331. Mm-hmm. It's the same as an architect or engineer looking at a working drawing and say, you can't put a door there. This beam is too deep. There's no headroom. Mm-hmm the same for those who read a script with knowledge they hear the sound effects they hear the dialogue they hear the music they acknowledge the special effects and it is all orchestrated in such a way that the reader can process and see the movie right that's the secret of doing it correctly
0: i think that um, as a person as a as as you were a draftsman architect that that uh... That is probably an innovation into itself into screenwriting into thinking that you know, thinking it, about that holistic way of trying to connect the dots of people's exact, jobs exactly to, right. to, to bring it to life.
3: But also as an artist myself and a sculptor, I understand the medium, I understand the process. Uh, I'll give you an example of the inability of most difficult of the most specialists in different fields the difficulty of having them communicate. When the Challenger uh, fell apart in midair, mm-hmm. NASA issued a contest for a lot of money for someone who could devise a device that would digitize an image immediately and be able to do that at nine separate locations so that those who made products that were involved in the construction of the rocket could sign off before launch. So that if there were a defect, those who had signed off would be identified immediately mm-hmm. and held accountable. With the, with the Challenger uh, explosion, it took many months before they determined that the cause of the disaster was O-rings. an O-ring, which is a gasket. Mm-hmm. Okay, this way, NASA hoped to be able to put the fire under the feet of the manufacturers whose components went into the launch vessel Mm -hmm. so that they would immediately have access and get redress and also identify who was responsible well a a, an engineer named chuck stone with two kids from i think it was cal state northridge or uc san diego he invented a camera and an amiga platform which was a primitive computer To immediately grab and digitize an image Mm -hmm. and able through the internet to send that image anywhere simultaneously Mm -hmm. and also to capture a signature and digitize it at any remote location. Mm -hmm. So he won. His lawyer was a guy I played tennis with. I said, I want to put him together with a great animator, Bill Melendez, Mm who was my good friend and did peanuts from day one. And did Garfield from day one, and mm-hmm. probably won more uh, Rubens and Emmys than any living person. And I said, I want to put them together and see if we can use this grabbing of the image with an animator and animate something rapidly.
0: Basically, you could scale animation at a faster rate. I'm thinking, I'm guessing is you where you're going an with this. Image, okay. you can just tickle it, and then right. you grab the next one, and
3: immediately right. you're animated. Mm-hmm. In less than four hours, we animated Peanuts. We animated two peanut strips where Snoopy runs up and down the road. We changed the color. We put sound on it in less than four hours. Mm-hmm. This was unheard of. Normally, that would take several days to do all the, the original storyboard, then do the in-betweens, and then film it and on a uh, pencil test, and then finalize it and do the color and so on. Right, right. So... I said You we, chopped we, out a lot of middle people. We have and achieved the new era. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the animator hated the engineer, and the engineer hated the animator. <laughs> and they couldn't talk to each other, and I could not be an intermediary. So you couldn't
0: facilitate the innovation.
3: No, but it was, <laughs> it was the right move.
0: Right. Well, so I'm glad we're transitioning to animation. I want to, like, before we go into Transformers, I do want to talk about... Uh, a little thing, 1985 CBS special called "The Romance of Betty Boo."
3: Oh yeah, one of my favorite you're, favorite uh, jobs. You
0: also have a, a, a voiceover on that one. You, oh yeah, uh, you, I did a you, number you of You acting credit on that one. Yeah. But uh, you're you're actually your your voiceover credit. You're credited as ethnic voices.
3: And also, I was the parent. <laughs>
0: And the parrot? Did yeah. the parrot have an ethnic voice? No. He, I watched it. A, it's on he, YouTube.
3: But he did a Franklin Delano Roosevelt impression. Oh, okay, gotcha. Losing gotcha. both your job, Does- your- we have nothing to <laughs> fear but fear itself, and losing both your job. <laughs>
0: what gave the entertainment world, or you, or the producers of of that uh, program, the uh, the, the, what what made you think Betty Boop would be the right thing to make in 1985? Well, because,
3: because I created uh, Defenders of the Earth for Hearst, Hearst said, and Hearst also put me to work to make a musical out of the comic strip Jigs and Maggie. Mm-hmm. And I did write the book and wrote the lyrics, and everything was set to go with Mickey Rooney, and mm-hmm. uh, they hoped Carol Burnett, and Mickey Rooney destroyed it, although everybody else loved it. But I won't go into that. <laughs> Mickey is dead by popular demand, and... Uh, <laughs> May he rest. But uh, the where was I? I'm backing up. Yes. We're talking about Betty Boop. Hearst had Betty Boop, which they felt was an a potential wonderful uh, character. But the fact was there was no Betty Boop. There was no character. There were no Betty Boop cartoons other mm-hmm. than pornography. Mm-hmm. And Betty Boop was a big star in 20s and 30s pornography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But there was, who was Betty Boop? What is she really? What world does she live in? She's not a character. No.
0: She's just a, a, a beautiful naked animation cell. Yes. And okay. by the
3: way, she was drawn by Grim Natwick, who was the uh, artist who also did snow white mm-hmm. and i met grim natwick when he was in his 90s bill melendez introduced me and he had the ability to draw a young girl's arms and legs so they looked voluptuous and they could be animated brilliantly mm-hmm. and that was betty boo anyway when i was told about that and come in with my ideas I said, I see this as a depression musical Mm -hmm. where Betty Boop is a hardworking girl who wants to marry well and, and I said, she, the Iceman is her boyfriend and opens it because it's a musical with, are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright because I only have eyes for you, Betty. And it was ice not eyes anyway I watched it they said let's do that and so I wrote it and had a great collaboration with Desiree Goyette who did the music she was terrific and she was the voice of Betty Boop. and I love Bill Melendez who was a great friend of mine and Lee Mendelson, who produced it Mm -hmm. and I was extremely pleased with it and uh, anytime I show my class that they love it
0: the plot it's sort of depressing as a, as a man, I guess. It's like, a depression but, like, musical. And, <laughs> Betty, and Betty Boop, of Fair course, <laughs> was a, a flapper. She, she, she wanted to be a... She, uh, wa- well, she wants to marry up. She, to spends marry the, she spends the production chasing after the idea of this guy. There's an eligible bachelor that wants her, but yes. he's just a nice man. She, she gets with the movie star she wants. Turns out that he just... Wants her to be a maid for his mother, if I remember the correctly? He was made for his father,
3: and... who was a senile lecher. Okay, okay. <laughs> That but the so <laughs> then
0: she comes down to earth a little bit. She's taken yes. off her high horse. She she gets back with the uh, Ice Man or she gets with the Ice. She's like, "You know yes. what? I I shouldn't have treated you that way. Yeah. Oh, Maybe funny. you're an alright guy." But then she gets a call from Hollywood. From, and then it le- like it just ends there and <laughs> leads you to say, "Uh is she going to is she just going to forget about this Ice Man again? Is Naturally. she what's what's uh <laughs> is there was there a statement you were trying to make with this? I guess is really the yeah. question here."
3: Ice <laughs> is not a Business for the future.
0: <laughs> we all want ice.
3: Well, we don't want to schlep ice of <laughs> 42 stairs. He so. was in
0: good shape, though. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> he was a handsome man. Okay, Transformers. I'm going to skip over all my G.I. Joe yeah, questions. I, I have no music in Transformers. <laughs> did you Did Did you? Did you actually do any?
3: Oh, wait. I, oh, I, I don't know a lot if you did of any voices. voices. I did a lot did of you voices you for G.I. Voices? Joe. I modeled a lot of voices. Yeah. In, including, uh, what's a Shipwreck? Jack Nicholson. I said, it's got to be Jack. So I'm... How how did you pick Jack Nicholson as a reference? How did that even... Because it just sounded right for a guy with a parrot. (laughs) Did you
0: do the parrot on G.I. Joe as well? Your Uh, background in parroting... No,
3: but I did a lot of different voices and uh, I I like doing voices and on the Marvel Action Hour I did a bunch of voices. One of the most difficult was Blast Star. Which was a character nobody gave a shit about. But I enjoy doing Blastar. Star.
0: Did, you've, I think you've talked about this before. I'd love to just get it down in stone for my own benefit. You have very distinct philosophies on writing for kids, and and I think I that comes in, uh, uh, from experience you've had in in, in working with kids. Uh,
3: from well, a psychological uh, I, aspect yes i will tell you a very interesting story about the psychological aspect of working with kids when i was still in architectural school the uh what the hell do you call this guy geez i suddenly can't remember the post a very important academic post second only to the dean the provost we'll call it provost.
0: we'll call it the vice dean okay we'll the go provost. provost all right
3: the provost was a guy named elliot dunlap smith from a Yale family very distinguished uh, New England family of scholars and businessmen and uh, he I took a course with him and he said I have an opportunity for you I think you have uh, the ability to profit from it and I'm an architectural school but I'm taking a lot of courses in different things that was part of the Carnegie plan where you were encouraged to take uh, disciplines, courses outside of your discipline anyway he said uh, this is uh, a consortium of toy manufacturers that are using our department of psychology in our school of business administration then called industrial administration it was the first university to give a degree in what is now the mba Mm -hmm. and he said they are studying children and their response to toys and games Mm -hmm. and uh, you're my candidate to participate in this uh, experiment So I said, great, let's do it, what do I do? And what I did was I would play with children with specific toys and games under the observation of the head of the psychology department and people from the manufacturing end who were paying for the study. And what I learned is first, the kids liked me better than a lot of the other people, so I ended up being one of the main people that participated in the study.
0: And why did they like you?
3: Because I like them. Okay. they it. It's very They've simple with it. children. They recognize if you like them, they like you. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I was having a good time because I helped them have a good time. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of toys that were really crap, but the kids liked playing with me. So it didn't matter if the toy was bad or not. But one of the big learning chunks that came out of it was the following. Children need a degree of time to become acclimated to something that's new and different, particularly a toy or a doll or a dummy or a game in which characters are involved, Mm -hmm. iconic characters. That told me that when I was offered G.I. Joe that I didn't want to do it in a 22-minute segment because there were too many characters. It would have been a roll call, not a show, Mm -hmm. you know, and the kids would not have been able to bond with these characters. So that's why I wanted to do it in five parts, and it worked. So It was valuable information to be used years At later. a later time. Yeah.
0: it's the, So that insight, um, honestly, it, it paid off for G.I. Joe and for Transformers It did, absolutely.
3: Both. And also it paid off for me as a father because my kids, I recognize, need to have a father that spends time with them and registers as a dad and not just as a disciplinarian or an absent force that's frightening.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, you, you just made me rethink how I need to approach my stepkids.
3: <laughs> it, it does help if they know you like them, right? And it also helps. I love if them. You are just for the record, you are sincerely eager to see them do what pleases them. Yeah. And also to, to excel. Yeah. The pursuit of excellence sounds pompous. But it really is the only game in town. And that's why my favorite definition of happiness is the ancient Greek definition, which is Norman Lear's favorite definition and also John F. Kennedy's favorite definition. I read it first in the book, The Greek Way by Edith Hamilton, I don't know, maybe 60 years ago. And the Greek definition of happiness is this, the exercise of vital powers along lines of excellence in a life that gives them scope. Or in one word, purpose. That's purpose. (laughs) But purpose of the highest level Mm -hmm. and the exercise of the most you have to bring to the table.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I have those conversations with my family all the time about what we were talking about earlier. Do something as well as you can. Always. Or move on to something else and do it as well as you can. And don't be a person that ever settles for uh... less than what you really think you can put exactly. into it and, exactly. and, and that's where happiness lies that's that where true. success lies and that is and success that, as and, a human being and, and, and that is uh... And, and it's one of the most important things in life is it really is. just accepting responsibility creating responsibility for yourself yes. Be not not that we're trying to turn this into Dr. Phil <laughs> or something. No, Dr.
3: Phil wouldn't get this far. He would just get into <laughs> masturbation and money immediately.
0: Well, that's coming up next here. But one moment, oh, Ron. we're down to the M's, huh? <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, to, the, the, so t- let, let's take us to Transformers. This is a concept that you have referred to uh, as uh, looking. Transformers looked like garbage cans. Fucking is a quote the of yours. First time
3: I saw it, that was my immediate thought. Garbage cans fucking, and then the next thought was, what interesting garbage cans.
0: Have you have you written? Uh, is there a is there a, uh, a an X-rated script of uh, garbage cans fucking out there in the world that maybe is penned by you and under several piles of books?
3: Under, under no circumstances. Never. <laughs> Never and the reason is this: I take the responsibility for providing what I call accessible visual literature very seriously, and I want to be responsible about what I put in the minds of children. In my book, I go to great lengths to describe how, as a kid, I remember seeing Fu Manchu and thinking the yellow peril. Does that mean that all Asians are evil? And then the japa which was in a comic book, Superman, and I thought, well, wait a minute. The, the Japanese part is yellow and yellow is evil, like Fu Manchu and yet the Chinese are our allies and they're yellow, and yet the Nazis are white, but not all Germans were considered bad. How is it that there could be Nazis, but not all Germans are evil, but there couldn't be good Japanese if the Japanese were our enemy? Mm -hmm. So I was determined not to lend any credence, any leverage, any handhold for bigots to leap onto something that I'd created or suggested and I feel strongly about that, and I feel a lot of the confusion about what equality really means and about how colorblindness is our obligation. Uh, I'll give you my example, and I always tell it to my students. Each of us is a serial killer and the Pope. Each of us is Rembrandt or Mozart or Bonnie and Clyde. Mm -hmm. Each of us is everyone else. So somebody who's prejudiced looks in the mirror every morning and goes "fuck me." So prejudice is an idiot's game, and the sooner we recognize the universality of the human condition, the better the world will be. And I've always tried to deliver that in a non-preachy way. I feel like,
0: for certainly, that that uh, like morality around diversity, or just philosophically, diversity is a is is a Joe and Transformers topic. I mean, characters that are even with robots where there's not really a skin color, but you can tell there are cultural yes. references, and the cultural co- dialect, the casting you have of the voices you have of course, kids was who are or uh, are, are disabled. Yes. You have uh, and and they I mean, in the 80s was kind of a time of that of trying to frame
3: Yes. To, to issues
0: of racism and, and just multiculturalism, diversity in general, and, right. and, and, and create a society that was more accepting.
3: It, well, we need to be accepting because none of us are here long enough to make a significant difference unless we're evil as hell or brilliant as hell. Mm-hmm. Most of us are in neither of those extremes. So our obligation is to leave behind us people who remember us with love and affection. And the only way that happens is to treat all that you meet with love and affection that's uh and the readiness to forgive and ask for fairness
0: from interviews that i've read of yours a lot of great stories von meter uh pat mccormick jonathan winters jack klugman yep. do you are do you have any crazy stories about uh hijinks writers room that kind of thing uh, re- regarding the animation side of the work that you've done, whether Transformers, G.I. Joe, otherwise. Uh, well, I'd love would, to hear I, anything I never in
3: that. was in a writer's room in animation. I always worked alone. I mm-hmm. just met the producer and then wrote it. Mm-hmm. And what happened subsequently is there'd be a little bit of rewriting, but nothing substantial. So I was always very pleased with what I wrote. Uh, G.I. Joe particularly, I don't think there were any changes that I didn't write myself and in the Transformers, the movie, the changes were few, but this is what happens in the process. An actor doesn't deliver, you gotta change something. The animator could not visualize what you had in mind, so something changes. It's a collaborative medium, as is all of show business, which is why I've had the same acceptance speech ready for years. As I hold my Tony or my Oscar, I say, Nobody wins one of these alone. <laughs> I wanted to, but the assholes wouldn't let me. <laughs> Describe your role then as it comes to, uh,
0: particularly, we'll focus on Transformers. I know that it seems as though you were involved in, in every single episode to one degree or another. What is the hierarchy, wh- and where were you in the hierarchy? Uh, what, what function were you performing well, for Well, in, in
3: Transformers... Uh, I was given the first 60-some episodes to rewrite so as to create the characters that had a sense of humor, also to differentiate them in dialogue, which I did particularly with Megatron and Starscream, so as to create a kind of Shakespearean treachery nest of, nest of vipers, <laughs> and also to give some sense of humor whenever possible so that it didn't feel grim Mm -hmm. and made Grimlock, uh, you know, look like everybody else, only with worse English. So, in doing that, I familiarized myself with Transformers and also had a sense of uh, how I would proceed with the movie the minute they said, would you do a feature film? Mm -hmm.
0: I'll try and, uh, uh, since we are a Transformers the Movie podcast, I'll try and sneak. We'll keep it centric to that. And uh, your first draft, first of all, or at least what I believe is your first draft, is is amazing. I don't know. Do you own, who owns the rights to that? I don't know if you can even recall what, well, I, what I the, know, any might differences between I, the dra- early drafts and what are on well, screen. Well, the,
3: the first draft, uh, Tom Griffin said, you made the bad guys too interesting. <laughs> uh, I want you to do something again where... So I did, and uh, you know everybody was happy. But Michael Bay was thrilled to steal from both of those scripts, and uh, that was really the the core of the two live-action movies, which disappointed the hell out of me because they, they were so fragmented visually. He had too many cameras going at all times, and if there was anything like a chase, you didn't know who the fuck was chasing whom, <laughs> or which way was Are they
0: good? Are they bad? Do I care? Exactly.
3: <laughs> I'll give you an example of geography in writing a script. Visualize the following. A desert with a cactus standing in the middle. Mm-hmm. There's a sound at the right of the screen of horse be- horses' hoofs beating and gunfire, and going past the cactus is a stagecoach where the driver is leaning over whipping the horses and the guy riding uh, the gunshot seat is firing back madly. They go off camera. You're looking at that cactus. Then here comes <laughs> Indians, they're coming after. And the cactus is your visual reference that lets you know who is chasing whom. hmm When you don't have a yes. cactus, and you have a lot of noise, and you have cameras placed everywhere, you don't know if the Indians are fucking the horses, or the people in the stagecoach are fleeing to Israel during high tide in the Red Sea. There's no way to determine direction, and with an inability to determine direction, you get the fragmentary you need context. feeling of what is it all about and why should I care. Mm-hmm. So, anyway... It's easy to bitch about what somebody else did with what you liked.
0: Hey, that's, uh, you know what, the, the, there's about a thousand people here that do that every day, <laughs> that are doing that every day. Uh, with the And, and they all want to make choices and participate in those choices. Yep. Did, did you, uh, I, I'm really trying to bring it down to the, the end here, but I've got so much. So one thing I am curious about that I think hasn't been covered in other interviews you've done, did, did, did you work much? Did you know who Floro Derry was? Uh, the He was a illustrator. He I think he did a lot of the character models for the uh, no. G1 and, and uh, did a lot of character models for, I didn't know if there was any working relationship between you and some no, of the, in the, fact, the illustrators I, and uh, designers. No, I
3: was prevented from dealing directly with the uh, animators, the model makers, and so on, which uh, I regretted. I was asked my opinion of the drawings they sent me, and I always gave my opinion. Mm-hmm. But And sometimes they w- I was listened to, and uh, particularly in terms of vehicles and also in terms of uh, strange spaces like inside of uh, unicron uh, i I made a contribution verbally but uh, only when i was producing the marvel action hour was i really almost the acting art director and uh, in betty boop i was asked all about it because i actually designed the backgrounds for betty boop
0: those backgrounds are amazing by the oh, way the, the way that the the style of the like i guess almost photocopied xerox sort of photos they, they of were, the new york city and, skyline and I, the I texture provide,
3: i provided bill Melendez is a very with cool a, touch a dover press printout of a lot of new york scenes mm-hmm. from the thirties yeah and those became the background for betty boop
0: yeah as a, as a design and illustration purpose i recognized that but i didn't know that you had a hand in it so yep, so i thought that was fabulous the I'll, one I, I have to ask a question about the death of Optimus Prime because I, I would, I think you just have to. It's a, it's yeah, a, well, it's cliche, but, but you have a book called the de- <laughs> called so I, I killed K- Optimus so, <laughs> Prime, so sue me. So, yes. um, and I, I know you've at, you've spoken at length about how you felt it was a bad decision, uh, yes. from a business perspective. No, and that it, it, I will tell you why it was. Or a from, a bad from a story perspective. Story perspective.
3: Because, it's all about family everyone recognizes what a family is even an orphan will create a surrogate family if you're in the army you go into a new job you create a surrogate family as quickly as possible and really in a new job you want to know who big daddy is who's Mm -hmm. big mama who's the crazy uncle that that moons the school bus Mm -hmm. you know who's grandpa that flashes the ladies across the street when they untie him in the attic mm-hmm. and he comes down for the Fourth of July. Everyone recognizes family. That was what very specific. <laughs> Everyone recognizes family. That's the touchstone. That's the touchstone in mythology. The Greek gods, the Roman gods, which were ripoffs of the Greek, the thing about the godlike characters is they had human flaws. That made them relatable. This is how it works. So I always look at when I write and there are large character groupings. What's the good family? Who's the bad family? Is there a swing good bad person like Maid Marian in Robin Hood? Mm-hmm. She's able to be in the court of King John. She's able to be with the merry men. Mm-hmm. But she also can betray or carry messages mm-hmm. and so on. So I look for the family analogy as the template. And in using that, I've always been able to create coherent groupings where people, audiences, can relate because they recognize the familial qualities of certain characters.
0: So taking an Optimus Prime is disruptive, it's like a divorce, or a Uh, death, or... Worse, uh, he's
3: Big Daddy. Right. By the very definition of Big Daddy, he is the center of the family culture. He is the arbiter of good and evil. He is the one that sets the standard, the admirable standard, that any family member loves to live up to, and will die trying to live up to.
0: So, that said, uh, and there was a, there was a. You actually got a question today, or maybe it was a comment from uh, from the panel earlier that uh, was something I'd thought. That is like, I think that's correct, and, and it actually proved itself out commercially how that disruption was bad for the brand at the time. Yes, you cannot. But over the, the long family. term, yes. There's something about that that became so because it was so disruptive, I guess, or because it was so iconic for lack of a better word, it be almost became a good thing for the brand or in that because people remember it, it it becomes it became the seed of something that made it bigger. If
3: you look at Downton Abbey, the moment when the young man, the young lord finally marries the poor woman and they're happy and they have a baby, I'm watching and I know he's gonna be dead before the intermission. (laughs) Right. And he was. That I understand. But I also understand that the uh, universe of animation is one that is more demanding of continuity. Mm-hmm. And that when you're going to disrupt, you had better disrupt by creating a disruptive force that is not in the family. Right. This is There was less purpose. Yeah. It, do,
0: it wasn't as purposeful of a disruption. No. Really. I
3: mean, death does occur in families. But this was death in warfare, which is a whole other matter to deal with. Anyway, the all I can say is I'm glad I did it and I'm glad <laughs> I showed up and uh, I think I'll do it again because I've had a tremendous reception good yes. well
0: I will um, so oh, oh, thank oh, you very much this this is a sponsor. professional this is a professional here you're our sponsor Ron yes. um, ah. let's talk, uh, we'll wrap it up where where can people buy the book
3: on Amazon
0: I understand it's a hot seller
3: well, I was startled to find out that it became number one in books on television and all of Amazon in less than 48 hours.
0: And the name of that book is? Is
3: I Killed Optimus Prime, So Sue Me.
0: (laughs) And... The insights that people will glean from this book, I'm sure stories about your that you have about Transformers in particular, but it's also, I'm going to guess, and I'm going to buy it by the way, a a lesson in screenwriting as well, or maybe just writing, would you say? Yes, it does. I don't want to put words in your mouth.
3: It does teach about writing because uh, I think this is an opportunity for those that are interested to recognize the truth of what I say, which is if you wish to do it, if you want to do it, you probably can if you follow through because I was a dreamer all my life and I've made my dreams come true by daring to pursue them so I believe that what you wish to learn you can learn if your heart is in the work
0: you have to manifest it in your head to make it a reality
3: I believe in that absolutely but I believe that's how our brains work if you can visualize something, you're well on your way to making it happen, making it real. I've done this all my life. I visualize what I hope to achieve. I visualize what my agenda is and made my agenda in every meeting and everything that I've done. And it usually works because most people with no agenda are at the mercy of anybody with any agenda. Mm-hmm. And my agenda is to be excellent in whatever I do and to pursue it. Until they have to shovel something over my head,
0: the I'll close it out. Uh, I, I could go on forever. I really could, and maybe we'll have the benefit of meeting up again someday, and that I can ask great. some of these others. The, uh, the are there any other projects or that you're working on? And I would love to. And I would also just you've talked about being a sculptor. I think you're also a painter. Yes. Is that available for consumption by the public, yeah, or is that well, something like you keep the, in your basement?
3: I've been thinking of putting them on the website. My wife and I are both painters, we've had shows, we've sold, and I have uh, hundreds of drawings, hundreds of paintings, so does my wife. and. Uh, I
0: think a lot of people would love to see that if it's, if it's well, available. We
3: have to just photograph them and put them on my website, which we will do. I'm just building my website. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also have a play right now which uh, is based on a factual book called The Secrets They Kept by Suzanne Handler and the title of the play is now Love Her More. I have a wonderful Broadway producer, Donald Lowes, and a brilliant actor studio director, Howard Storm, who's uh, well known for having directed all the Mork and Mindy's. And uh, I'm very, very proud of that, and we're gonna be making an offer to a major Broadway star, international star. Shortly. No, you're not going to name names, I or don't. are you saying
0: just in the pantheon, it's a big going to be a big star?
3: Oh no, this is definitely a big star and okay. a Broadway and West End London star. Okay. So uh, this, I'm very. We're, hopeful we're, I'm going to start doing, doing my math to f- triangulate who this smash. is. Well, <laughs> I'll be happy to tell you once a contract is signed. But that, I don't want to jinx it. Um,
0: okay. And is your va- is your website up now? It is up. And what is it?
3: I, I actually forget what the name of it is. If you tell if me right later, we will put it out there will, <laughs> in the I world. I will email that to I'm you. I'm sure it
0: will be along the lines of ronfriedman.com, okay, but my, we don't know.
3: My next book is uh, going to be 25 years of emails between Stanley and me.
0: I like this. So
3: Stan always wanted me to do that, and now I will. And then I have another book uh, that's almost finished called How to Write for Pictures that Move, Talk, Sing and Dance and Blow Up Cleveland. It's a book on learning how to screenwrite. <laughs> I also am working on a uh, feature film called The Black Black Watch Right. for Kevin Hart and I hope Liam Neeson. And the story is, which I mention in my book, that a uh, young black man who's part of a cult adopted like a Fagan family to be criminals is a lookout on a robbery of a mafia bank in an (laughs) Italian restaurant in Santa Monica. Also in Santa Monica is a former Kilty Piper who when he gets loaded, which is almost every night, (laughs) will get his bagpipes and walk up and down Ocean Avenue playing the bagpipes. So this kid who's a lookout for the robbery, hears the bagpipes, doesn't know what the hell it is, goes over to find out just as the police, who have been paid by the Mafia to protect their bank, show up. So the black kid runs with the bagpipes, the guilty piper passes out, and in the morning, he tracks down the kid to get his bagpipes back, at which time the criminals come to kill them, and so does the crooked cops. So they have to run for it, and uh, the last scene are the Highland Games, where the lead pipers are Kevin Hart and Liam Neeson.
0: Well, thank you, Ron. I, yes. I, I appreciate your time. You've been very giving throughout this whole conversation as well as on the emails that we've been tracking. Well,
3: until but, Caleb, I will, you send me his address, I will send him the manuscript.
0: I, I'll ask you. At this point, he may just prefer, is the manuscript the same as the book or does it have things it, it, the, that...
3: The book has some things in it the manuscript does not have, okay. including some illustrations. Okay. So I, we I, were
0: we were going back and forth. We thought it'd be nice to have a manuscript, and uh, since I'm going to purchase a book, to have a manuscript and a book. But if the manuscript, in your view, isn't special, then no. I might just get him a book.
3: Okay. Whatever what do you he, think? Whatever he would like. Cause <laughs> <You're> like because <laughs> I, I can finish <laughs> printing up the manuscript. Okay. And or I can uh, send him the book or give you. Your book and his book. Sure, here, we'll we'll fig-
0: we'll figure that out tomorrow. Okay. If, if you just say uh, so, I think you've shouted out Caleb. Ryan is the other host. It's, would you mind okay. to say hello to uh, Ryan. Ryan?
3: Hello, Ryan. Okay. And hello, Manny, Moe, and Jack, Patty, Maxine, and Laverne. Doc, happy sneezy, sleepy, and fetal bomb. And with that, I think we're good. Thank w- you, Ron. We are. I really
0: appreciate your time. My your gentleman, pleasure.
3: Really wonderful. Love you. meeting you, and thank you for listening. Wow, that was really something else. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, here, here's what I'd like to here. Here, actually, I I've been really, I was really super excited for you to interview him. Um, it's it's a, to me, it's like wow. We've been talking about this guy, you know, for for ever. two years, and you know, he was a big part of this podcast and continues to be, and it, it's really cool. You, you, you know, I asked him if he would interview. He said yes, and mm-hmm. you did it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I, you know you were there. I want to know like um what kind of takeaways do you have from the experience um you know that, that you went and did it. I mean, is this a real on-air question that yes. you just trying to set up uh, for when we actually do no, our on-air no, this question. is really it. You know, I, I I think it was amazing. I wish I could have been there and I'm really glad that you and Mike were. This is the first time you've really interviewed somebody like that and just mm-hmm. what's, overall, what overall what do you want to say about that experience?
0: Well, I over, I probably overly prepared, which is okay. I don't, th- I don't think there's anything ever wrong with being overly prepared. But I was really paranoid about it. But he was a very, and uh, when I say paranoid, I mean like just I wanted to be like cool with him. You know what I mean? I wanted him to know that I respected his work. But he. Wasn't really like that. He liked us by our email chatter that we had with him. And there uh, was an was, extensive email chain. There was, there was. And, 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 you know, I think he was, he was just game. Sure. And, why not? I mean, he knows he's got a legacy and it seems evident to me he wants to, to preserve it, mm-hmm. but, but he's a wonderful. Charming guy with a lot of stories, and that's why I got caught up in a lot of his stories. And there wasn't that much transformer oh, stuff. Yeah, the transformer stuff doesn't come in until about halfway, but
2: or, um,
1: or
0: three
2: quarters. But, there was,
1: but that's okay. I mean, we he
2: we,
0: even tried. There was
2: I will say it was a fun, funny part to me when he where, tried to where, steer it. Yes, he tried he to go. Did. Well, let's talk about transformers. Like, no, no, no. And you steered it back <laughs> away
0: know. because I well, I wanted to talk to him about other
1: stuff. Honestly, that's op- that's good. I yeah. mean, I wanted. It, I, I was. I'm glad that we got. I got to hear stuff. About there him, were a lot of strings to
2: pull, like that whole Frank Lloyd Wright, like, yeah. tour was crazy. Well, he, was an archi-
1: he was an architect, he's got a lot of stories. If you've listened to the Gilbert Godfrey interview mm-hmm. that he had, it, he he has a lot of stories, and it's, it's fun to kind of go on the ride with him, right? Like,
2: the, he just offhandedly mentioned that Frank Lloyd Wright hit him with his cane, and I'm like, what is that story?
1: Well, Frank Lloyd Wright had a, he, he, oh, you he know, over, he had a, yes, I, oh, okay, yeah, he had a, he had a cane, and uh, uh, what Frank, uh, what Ron's mentioning is like his his kind of his estate or his school that Frank Lloyd Wright. Had. Yeah, but he
2: said he hit him with the cane. Why? I don't know. So you don't oh, know. Well, I, I would. I, wish I just know if he, I had. A if cane, I was a, be, well. I know he had a cane. If
1: he, he was a stubborn. Frank Lloyd Wright was a stubborn man. Like one of the houses he built. There's a story where uh, the people that bought the house obviously had a lot of money, and you know they mm-hmm. moved into his house. This house that he built, and the story goes that they called Frank Lloyd Wright and said your house the roof is leaking and it's 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 uh, pouring water onto my desk and Frank Lloyd Wright's reply is oh move the desk
2: <laughs> yeah but if roof really shouldn't leak at all <laughs> like no matter what's under it
1: but yes but that's part of the that's we all know that the story <laughs> I guess is it's just
2: a, a weird response because like that j- Frank Lloyd Wright took it, it's I think it's all just saying Frank Lloyd
0: Wright is cantankerous was, and yeah. he was egotistical. Yeah. And I mean, I, mean I, I don't know anything about Frank Lloyd Wright other than the work that he produced because I have books of it, but I would never yeah. read a biography or anything. So it sounds we've... like he was an old dick, and it sounds and if the does, <laughs> sto- <laughs> <The the> story- <laughs> but a well-designed dick. Yes, and it was. And it's, and it's all angles, though. So. And if the story is true, he nailed Ron Friedman. King. He said he wasn't on a first name basis with him right. as well when I brought that up. So, but uh, no. no, I mean there's. There's just so many things that I and I'm not trying to apologize for it, but I didn't know how much time I had and mm-hmm. and I just didn't necessarily want to talk about transformers all day, but I did have plenty of transformers cornerstones and, and yeah, certainly it, nothing that I put together made it to air
3: it with the, the panicked the, email have, that I got on
2: Saturday or <laughs> Friday night.
0: That that panicked email was a product of me being overly prepared and paranoid. It's fine. I like that. It's I, nice to know that you're
1: prepared, regardless of what. I happens. guess it's better than the alternative. Yeah, totally. Very... It's like you you have them there. Like when I play music, I have my charts with me. I don't necessarily look look at them when I play, but I feel much better if I know they're. I
2: I do that with with pretty much any traveling or any like if I'm going. I I, I tend well, to do the same thing. Like prepare pretty well. Like know everything that I, that's going to be happening. You don't travel. <laughs> what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> He went to New York solo. That's I right, go yeah. all the
2: time. Ta- I go places all the time. <laughs> I work for a travel company.
0: That's true, you do. So I have eleven pages of questions here. You know that's the way it works. Sometimes I, mean, I think you did great. Well, thank you guys. I yeah, appreciate. I'm really,
1: it. really proud of you.
0: And you said that he enjoyed the game that you played with. Yeah, him. that was. He awesome. did say that. Yeah, the next day is when I collected all of our stuff that we have here, and uh, he was yeah. He put his hand on my shoulder. I really enjoyed the game, and then I
1: just. Made me That's feel nice. good. If go, nothing, if nothing like, else, he like I did puts something. his hand on your shoulder. I really, I really enjoyed the game in the universe. Thanks a lot, Alvin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is very good with names. I yeah. did not have to reprompt
1: him on any of your names. He's sharp as a tack. He knew. Well, I've uh, got a, I've got a biblical name, so you know. <laughs> of course, you've you got that. C- my well, mine. My Jim. name is Hebrew too. So is, is mine. Is. What? We've all got these Hebrew names. Mine so. means little king. Really? What's so your you're s- my mongrel dog. Yes, I am. What's your name mean? I've been told that it means like the the speaker. I think it means man with
0: glistening beard. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because uh, apparently Moses's brother or, or Moses had a stutter and Aaron had to speak for him. That's yeah. might be some false Hebrew he legend I'm <laughs> spouting here. He should have <laughs> had him sing. Like the
2: king's speech Yes. Never mind. I haven't seen The King's Speech. I d- haven't either. I
1: just know about that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, this was a good episode. <laughs> uh, I think it was a great episode and a great interview. And I th- I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, well, we will... T- we're back next week. We,
2: um... Joe Review. We are not back next week. Oh. Because Aaron is has, <laughs> some, has some traveling. He has to do at the top of April, so we won't be able to record until the second week of April, so... So we're postponing it. So this Well, it'll be... It'll come out at the normal... This, this is a uh, bonus,
0: but then we're going to take a two-week break before the exactly. Next thank you, thank you. This <laughs> is the the next
2: Joe Review episode number ninety-eight will be out um on the seventh. Okay, I think we
0: need to number this ninety-eight and make that ninety-nine. This this ninety-seven is this. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know what I'm doing sometimes. <laughs> oh, logistics! What are we? Our gonna, listeners love them. <laughs> what are we going to do with that one, honey, baby? You got to do something special for oh, that.
1: I know. Oh, I, I was thinking even about that about too. That. Hmm. Bl- we should
0: like we
2: the, did like we did for the fiftieth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tonight where we talked about it and did nothing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 going to probably be as much work. It's probably going to get the same results as my G my Joe activity is. Oh yeah, where are we? Oh, I started doing that. Plug that real quick. Yeah, and I, I sl- have and I have an idea yeah. for one. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. We have a contest. We we put out there. It's uh, JoeCustoms.com. Uh, you can create your own file card, G.I. Joe character, and so it's called G. My Joe. You go through the file card, create a Joe character, you put it on your Twitter site or on your Facebook site, but probably better you put it on your Twitter site, and then uh, you, ta- you know, tag us, and then we retweet it, and we put you in the pool for a contest, and at the end of the Joe episodes, we draw a random name, of one of the participants from GMI Joe... And there were probably it.
0: one participant.
1: ...when you win a prize. Right now, I'm winning the prize.
0: I'm <laughs> the only person that's done it. Maybe if you didn't sound like Eeyore when you described the contest, people would get more excited You go it. on there, and you put it, GMI Joe. Hey,
2: there's a... Tra- P- Peter Collin is the voice of Eeyore. It's true, by uh, the way. That's a tie um, We will retweet the uh, site, because whenever I, whenever I went on there to do that, and I, I kind of started doing the process, it's not completely what's the word intuitive where to go on
0: that site to do that. So we'll tweet that out again when I, when we drop this episode, one other thing I forgot to mention. And I have to, I want to thank Dave Cabal. He gifted, th- not me, but the podcast, mm. the gift of this uh, character, which is this beautifully sculpted and painted Rom character, a character I'm not familiar with, but I know is tied up in the Hasbro universe and mm-hmm. in the IDW comics. It's cool towards the It's end. classic looking. Yeah. it's It looks really awesome. And then uh, he also gave us a poster, which uh, I'm <laughs> going to return to him and he's going to give us <laughs> another poster. <laughs> Long story there. But... Uh, he is going to give us this awesome. I think I brought it up here. This Tom Whalen. Oh, it's so nice. It'll yep. be a, it's a screen printed Transformers poster. It's really nice. So, um, it's great. He act, so in my possession is a Ninja Turtles poster by mistake. He, he accidentally brought <laughs> brought the wrong poster. I'm sure it's a badass. Ninja Gave Turtles. it to me. He was like, "You want this?" Gave it to me. But then later on, we talked about it, and we're going to do a trade Z's, so okay. I got to ship it back yeah. to it. But it's so thank you so much. Thank you for that. Thanks, Dave.
1: All right, now i will wrap it up. All right, everybody, we'll see you next time.
3: (laughs) Bye, bye, bye.